Welcome to Conversations with I Follow the Leader, made possible by I Follow the Leader, LLC. I am your host, Antonetta Mosley. I'm the CEO and Principal Leader at I Follow the Leader and a Certified Diversity Professional. I founded the firm in 2016 because I believe the historical prototype of what a successful leader looks like needs to change. We help leaders and organizations thrive and reach their highest potential. This is a place where those of a different feather can soar together. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. It is Antonetta Mosley of I Follow the Leader. And today I am here for our penultimate episode in our summer series. We only have one more to go. Hard to believe today I actually put my fall decorations up. And so, yeah, we are about to go into fall. But before we do, we have two more episodes of our summer series, which I've really enjoyed. It's been a little strange because it has just been me. However, get excited. Our guests are coming back in September. We have some awesome lineups for you. But today, I want to talk to you about courageous choices. Stop calling discrimination an isolated incident. Episode 41, Courageous Choices, Stop Calling Discrimination an Isolated Incident. For those who are watching, uh, you see that I'm not in my normal space upstairs in the office. I am actually downstairs sitting on my couch. And so today's going to be a little different. I am going to be looking away some, looking down some, don't have my double screens, and I do have some data I want to share. A lot of the episodes that I do, especially, well, I will say I don't do this for the ones with guests. So my individual episodes, a lot of them are off the cuff. A lot of them are very real and vulnerable about what is going on right now. This one I am actually filming not live for you all because it is 9.46 at night on a Saturday night. However, I've been talking about this incident with my husband for the last probably 90 minutes. And so I was like, okay, instead of waiting for tomorrow, like I just need to film this. I want to share with you just in real times my thoughts. I just got back uh, from vacation late Thursday. And so uh, I don't keep up with a lot of news often, honestly. I often see things on LinkedIn or in passing. And so I happen to see information about Rachel Richardson, a Duke volleyball player. And I just started doing some research, Googling, seeing what's going on. Uh, and the story really had an impact on on me uh, as a as another black woman, as a former college athlete myself. And so I thought it was really important to just share some of my thoughts with you and, and really just to provide awareness. If you're not someone who's black or a black woman, uh, if you're not someone in a historically underrepresented group, I, I know uh, and I said this on my Instagram, you may wonder, like, why are Black people always talking about discrimination and racism? I'm tired. I'm annoyed. This is exhausting. And I want to let you know, 
as a black woman, I am tired, I'm annoyed, and I'm exhausted too. I am tired of racism, discrimination happening so much to me. I'm exhausted. I'm disappointed. I don't want to be talking about it. It would be so great if discrimination and racism was this thing from the past, which unfortunately so many people say it's a thing of the past. In the past, there was a lot of racism, but we've overcome, we've come so far. Well, I am here to let you know that discrimination, racism, these aren't isolated incidents, and it is a courageous choice. Please, please stop calling discrimination an isolated incident. It's not okay, and it perpetuates harm to those in these underrepresented groups. You know, I like to call people in versus calling them out. This is a situation where it's about a specific group of people, but I want to really call everyone listening or watching this in. Discrimination is not an isolated incident. Just because you do not experience something on a daily basis does not make it any less real. And so I think that's really something for us to realize. Like if you're not in one of these groups, I'll give you an example. For example, I am not a mother, right? I do not have children. So there may be some things that people who are mothers explain and tell me that I will not understand until I am a mother right? There's other categories that people are in that I will never understand because of my background. And so we really need to, if we want to be caring, courageous change agents, we need to stop calling discrimination an isolated incident. And when someone tells you about discrimination, racism, et cetera, just take a step back and listen. And I can say, even as a practitioner, when I share discrimination that's occurred to me, a lot of times people's first response is to say it's isolated, right? I actually had this not even two months ago on a call I was sharing with a group of people who was similar to the group that had been discriminatory to me, what had happened. And they said, that doesn't happen often. That is an isolated incident. And I challenged them in that training. Let's take a step back. Let's pause because this is not isolated for me as a Black woman. This happens often. And then oddly enough, I was at another group not even a month later and a woman came up to me after I told the story about what was quote unquote an isolated incident and said I've done that <laughs> she said that she had done that she was in a completely different state and said thank you so much for sharing your story because I actually just did that to a kid the other week and now I'm gonna think differently and so I really want to challenge those who are not in underrepresented groups Please stop calling discrimination an isolated incident. It's not helpful. And it's honestly very dismissive to those who are constantly and consistently experiencing discrimination today in 2022, right? It's not something of the past. The first time I was called the N-word that I remember was when I was nine years old. That's actually the first episode of Conversations with I Follow the Leader, where now I'm 41, was actually about when I was called the N-word on the school bus. I talk about it also. 
in some of my keynotes about the experience, about what it did to me, et cetera. If you're a longtime listener or follower of some of my work, you know, not even two, maybe it was two to three years ago, someone used the N-word at a wedding and I had to pull them aside, right? So this isn't isolated. It's been happening since I was nine years old, maybe even earlier. And so I want you to know Black people being called the N-word is not isolated. Discrimination, racism is not isolated, right? So think that's very, very important to share with you all. So we are going to get into talking about this particular incident, which is Rachel Richardson, Duke volleyball player. However, I always feel with these difficult topics, it's really important to set the stage for you of why is this important? And also knowing, right, this, I like to talk about things that I've personally experienced and I like to let other people talk about things they've personally experienced because they have the best knowledge on that. So you often know that I'll talk about being a black woman, discrimination, et cetera. And that's because that's my experience and I can tell you the most about that. So what is our definition of discrimination to start with? One definition is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Um, and so, yeah, that that is what discrimination is. Um, some ex- types of discrimination, age discrimination, disability, sexual orientation, status as a parent, religious, national origin, pregnancy, sexual harassment, etc. So just want to set the stage for you. What is discrimination? Right. Really important. Unfair treatment, uh, especially related to a category. In this situation we're going to talk about today, it, that category is race. So Rachel Richardson is on the Duke basketball team. Uh, Duke is really close to me. So I live in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I am an ACC person, so not not necessarily Duke. I went to Georgia Tech. My husband went to UNC. So, um, you know, ACC sports, very, very much a thing in our household. And so, This incident, again, is very near and dear to my heart because I was a college athlete at Georgia Tech and did athletics my whole life. I can say where I grew up in Roswell, Georgia, when our basketball teams, et cetera, in high school would go to play certain places. I went to high school at Dunwoody, which was about 20 minutes away from Roswell. But if we would play certain um, schools, Fayetteville County schools, some of those schools up north, the N-word would be said at basketball games, right? So I want you to know, I personally heard people called the N-word at sporting events. This is not something new. Maybe you haven't heard or experienced it, but for me, this is something I experienced in high school, hearing people being called the N-word when we traveled to places that were less diverse. So I think, again, I want to set the stage. I want to, you know, I'm a facts person. 
What Gets Measured Gets Managed by Peter Drucker is one of my favorite quotes. And I believe we must measure all of these things. So I want to give you some of the my personal facts. I also, like I said, found some facts on the internet, just what I want to share with you. And so when I went to just go learn more about Rachel Richardson, uh, first of all, if you listen to this, Rachel, I hear you, I see you, I am you. Uh, I'm sorry that you experienced this. So her hometown is Ellicott City, Maryland. I actually, one of my good friends is from Ellicott City, Maryland, uh, very much a suburb in Maryland. Uh, Rachel is was on the ACC Academic Honor Roll in 2021. No article I've read about the incident has said that which is, again, another form of prejudice. Um, when Black people are often put in the news, you often don't learn their accolades. You only learn if a Black person, right, has been in trouble, um, has been disciplined, has been to jail, has done something wrong, right? But on the opposite side, if a Black person has these academic or athletic accolades, you often don't hear about that. So that's why I want you to know when I go learn about Rachel Richardson on Duke's page, she is a ACC academic honor roll participant. This is Duke, y'all. So that is hard to do. I know I went to one of those hard ACC schools at Georgia Tech. This is huge for her to be ACC academic honor roll and a starting volleyball player. That is not hard. That is not easy to do. She earned a spot on the starting lineup for three matches as a freshman, uh, and then just more about her career. High school, she com competed in the USA Girls Open Junior National Championship for the last four years, right? Uh, she was a three-time Washington Catholic Athletic Conference first-time honoree named Player of the Year, as well as Washington, D.C. Gatorade Player of the Year, right? Three-time District of Columbia MVP, all of these amazing things, member of the National Honor Society, the Spanish National Honor Society, served as a senior class rep, active as tutor, part of the Best Buddies program, right? So this is who, this is who we're talking about, Rachel Richardson. And so I think that's important because no article talked about her accolades. However, if she had all of these negative things, those would have been said about her. So it's really important to start with who is Rachel Richardson, right? Um, I do, did not read anything negative about her, any disciplinary things, etc. And so now if you Google Rachel Richardson or you Google Duke Volleyball, Unfortunately, you are only going to see negative things about Rachel Richardson. And so I'll just read. I just Googled Rachel, Rachel Richardson, Duke Volleyball. So BYU says it found no corroborating evidence of racial heckling um, perspective. The BYU Duke Volleyball story. Uh, CNN, ABC, ESPN promoted Duke Volleyball players. Uh, racial slur story, go quiet on developments, debunking claim uh, after BYU reverses, ban on fan, blah, blah, blah. Rachel Richardson, Duke's players claim of racial slur denied and on and on. Um, just really disappointing, really sad. 
And I'm here again to let you know who I am, right? I don't know Rachel Richardson, so I'm not speaking to that I've talked to her or that I know her side of the story in detail. However, I did read the articles before, I read the articles after, and what I can say is I've experienced this before. And unfortunately, as a Black woman, I know I'm likely not to be believed when reporting racism, discrimination, uh, bias occurring, microaggressions, I know that most people are going to want to disprove, uh, disbelieve what has happened to me. And even, right, there's been times where I've experienced discrimination where people actually have privately messaged me in real time but said nothing aloud. And so I had an incident not even five years ago where I was on a call with a lot of people. Someone did something that was very prejudiced, uh, not okay, and I had multiple people reach out to me. Again, I just wanted to get on and share this with you now, so I may do a follow-up. I actually saved the chat messages um, after because I was like, this can't be happening, right? I'm experiencing this incident. No one's saying anything aloud. The meeting still goes on, but everyone's private messaging me saying it's not okay. So I want you to know again, discrimination is not an isolated incident and most people will stay silent instead of supporting a black woman. And so that's really important to know is that I've been in many incidents where something happened and people will tell me behind closed doors, it's not okay, but because they don't want to mess up their reputation or they don't want to rock the boat or they're scared of repercussions, right? They're scared there's these systems in place that don't support Black women that, and also that don't support supporting a Black woman. And so people will private message, say things behind closed doors, but are very uh, slow to be courageous, to make the courageous choice to stand up, especially for a Black woman. And so just seeing what happened with Rachel Richardson, reading that she told players and coaches in real time, she didn't wait two weeks later. She said in real time to players and coaches, people are using a racial slur against me to the point where the refs were brought in, police was brought in to their bench. And so for me, someone at that age who's playing a sport, really good at a sport, you don't want to rock the boat. You just want to win. You want to focus on winning. And obviously, if someone's calling you a racial slur, that's actually deterring right, from you focusing on winning um, and, and being the best in your sport. And I can just say, Anytime someone's been discriminatory towards me or called a racial slur, like you often don't want to say anything. But if you are courageous, which obviously Rachel was courageous enough to say something in real time, I want you to know that most women don't feel courageous enough if they are discriminated against to say something in real time. I was watching a video today and it was talking about how either one in four or one in five women will be discriminated against in the workplace. However, it said that over 80% will never report it. And so I want you to know just because people aren't saying something doesn't mean it's not happening. And so when a woman 
when someone in an underrepresented group says that they're being discriminated against, let's let's shy away from calling it an isolated incident. Let's listen to them. Let's believe them. And also let's protect them. And so what's really sad in this situation is that right? The game wasn't stopped. Um, The person wasn't kicked out immediately. And so then it really helps to to give rise to those who are going to debunk that it's happening because they're saying, okay, the police were brought over, this happened, but the game didn't stop. And so I will say the Duke uh, volleyball team said they would not play at BYU's um, court again. And so they actually had a game the next day that they played elsewhere. And so these are all signs that if nothing happened, why were all these precautions taken? Why was the police officer brought over? Why did all these things happen? And now we're, we're um, the reports are saying that not, BYU didn't find any evidence of racist heckling. So my first question, why isn't the NCAA doing the investigation? Why is BYU doing the investigation? If someone makes a claim, right, an EEOC claim, the EEOC is going to do the investigation. They don't let, right, the organization do the investigation. And so that, first of all, is troubling to me. Why is BYU doing the investigation versus the NCAA? That right there shows me this isn't really a concern to the NCAA, Uh, And again, I can't even imagine how this individual feels as a black female to report something, right? It's not, I didn't see any claims of her ever reporting anything like this before. She's now being called Jussie Smollett, et cetera, right? So she's now being grouped with a black person who was found, right, by a judge, by courts to have lied, etc. She's now being compared to that. However, you brought over a police officer, right? Their AD made a statement. They moved the game. Uh, Duke's AD has made a statement. However, now, right, it, it seems very quiet. I'm sure that the Duke coaches, the Duke players are not allowed to speak out about this. And that makes it really hard to believe the individual, which is so sad. And this happens, we see in sexual assault cases, et cetera. Right? Everything gets put on the person that makes the claim. They are no longer the victim. Uh, in this situation now, the BYU is the victim of of everything that's happened. Um, and just really sad, we need to believe Black women more. Uh, and this isn't to say that Black people or Black women, again, don't lie. This is to say I've had personal experiences and been around a lot of Black women who have had incidents happen and they are not believed. And so they have to either shut up and deal with it or they have to get courageous and leave or they have to fight for themselves. And and it's really not okay. Um, I can say being called the N-word was a pivotal experience and memory for me. I can say that every time I hear it and I hear someone who's not Black saying it, it is triggering. Um, And I can say that I've never made up when someone's used the N-word. And so it's really sad to see BYU do this internal investigation, 
say that they like scoured videos, whatever. Well, it's probably going to be pretty hard unless someone's screaming it at the top of their lungs to find uh, that video evidence. But the fact that this young woman, while playing volleyball, went to her coaches and teammates and reported this, and we're not going to believe her, is really troubling. Uh, and then when you pull back the layers on BYU as a school and their track record, right? I, I've looked up uh, Rachel Richardson, her track record, et cetera. I don't see any more information, claims that she's ever put out. And she grew up in a predominantly white area. Don't see things that she's put out, even if she's experienced this. Um, and she said in a statement on Twitter, um, I'm a sophomore on the Duke University women's volleyball team. Friday night in our match against Brigham Young University, my fellow African-American teammates and I were targeted and racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. The slurs and comments grew into threats, which caused us to feel unsafe. Both the officials and BYU coaching staff were made aware of the incident during the game, but failed to take the necessary steps to stop the unacceptable behavior and create a safe environment. As a result, my teammates and I had to struggle just to get through the rest of the game instead of just being able to focus on our playing so that we can compete at the highest level possible. They also failed to adequately address the situation immediately following the game when it was brought to their attention. No athlete, regardless of their race, should ever be subject to such hostile conditions. God has called each of us to be members of one body while we may have our differences that should never divide us. Romans 12, 4, 5. That said, I do not believe that this is any way a reflection of what the BYU athletes stand for. The girls on the team played a great game and showed nothing but respect and good sportsmanship on and off the court. Once notified the BYU athletic director... Tom Holm was quick to act in a very respectful and genuine manner, um, et cetera. It goes on. So, again, she didn't say the, the volleyball players were also calling her names, et cetera. She was very specific um, to, to what she said happened. And so, for me as a Black woman, right, I know how that feels. I've had it happen before. And so I just can't imagine someone in her position as a student athlete, right? She's being compared to a celebrity um, who's an actor, right? Those aren't really the in the same realm. So I can't imagine why she would want to take the focus away from her playing, from her team. And I want you to know so many women in the workplace don't report things because they know it's going to ruin their career. And so this just makes me really sad for this young woman. I'm sure the threat she's getting, um, I try not to read the comments, but um, because I was doing this video, read some of the comments, uh, just horrible, hateful things being said to her. And as you saw, I just read her post. There was, there was no, uh, there were no hateful things said in that. And so it's just really sad uh, the Duke volleyball team, they all made shirts, I believe, after the incident, um, talking about how they are they are not proponents of hate, et cetera. Um, when I find that that tab, I'll, I'll let you know exactly what it said. Uh, but just really feel for Rachel Richardson um, that her character is being called into question. That, that so much is, is now unfortunately happening that's going to affect her school year, 
um, her year on the court and, and how people are going to treat her because she decided to have the courage to speak out. And, and the hashtag she put is more than a volleyball player. And if you follow sports at all, that's a, a huge thing with a lot of black athletes, right? People will applaud them when they're doing well. And, and if they're not playing good, right, then it does become racial slurs, et cetera. Uh, and so just really sad what what's happening. And I just need you to know it's not isolated. And so for me, um, whether, whether Rachel, right, whether this happened, whether it didn't, this really resonated with my heart and soul because I've been in Rachel's shoes in the workplace, um, right, in the sports arena where people aren't treating you fairly and where you have to decide, am I going to step up and say something or not? So I just want to say, Rachel, kudos on saying something. It was really great because uh, my husband, you know, he he's a big sports person. And he said, hey, you know, why this wouldn't surprise me is because the Utah Jazz, um, a lot of their fans have gotten into a lot of trouble for discrimination. And so I said, all right, uh, let me let me look into this and did some Googling and saw a lot of articles that said that you you know, from Bleacher Report, Utah Jazz, the most disgusting fans in the NBA. Russell Westbrook says Utah Jazz fan made racial taunt. Uh, Utah Jazz fans have a reputation for crossing the line. When it comes to racially abusive fans, the NBA has a Utah Jazz. Right? So when you just Google, right, we're, we're BYU, right, Utah Jazz, these are right. Uh, right in Utah, and there's stuff happening even to the NBA basketball players because of the uh, the climate in Utah. And so I think that's very important to also take into account. When I did some Googling about um, BYU rights and, and discrimination, I found the article from the Salt Lake Tribune uh, BYU released a report saying its students of color feel isolated and unsafe due to racism on campus. This is from February 2021, right? Isolated and unsafe. So when you go and you read this article, I'll make sure that we link all of this in the show notes. It says there's no place where students can go to file a complaint about discrimination, even as some experience racist comments daily, the report notes, right? So we see, we Google Utah Jazz, right? Uh, a professional sports team, they're having these reports. But then we actually go to BYU and there's reports about racism, racist comments daily, and so why would we think if BYU has a problem with their own students calling their Black students racial slurs, why would they not think it was okay to do at a volleyball game? If you've been to a sports game, you know it can be very easy to say and yell things in a group and people won't know exactly who said it. Or obviously, if the people around you are your friends, they can easily corroborate your story that, no, I heard nothing. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. Um, so there was a 64-page report from the Committee on Race, Equity, and Belonging saying current systems at the university are in 
adequate for coordinating services for students seeking assistance with challenges related to race. 64-page report presented to their president and said that their president asked for them to do this. And so you can go read this article, right? This is 2021, it's 2022. This is a major incident currently at BYU. There's another group of Brigham Young University students who have pushed the school into the public eye with their viral TikTok account, right? Doing videos and talking about the racism at BYU. This article says out of 30,000 students at BYU, less than 1% are Black. Census figures show that in Provo, Utah, the university's home, only 1.1% of the population is African-American, just a little behind the statewide number. So you're looking at a state where 1% or less of people are Black. That's the same student population. However, right, we believe that BYU has conducted a fair investigation of finding no evidence of racist heckling. We now are throwing Rachel Richardson under the bus. This could have never happened. This is an isolated incident. However, when we peel back the data, Richardson has not made claims of this before that I can find. She's a sophomore, right? So she's been playing volleyball at the collegiate level for her second year. She played all four years in high school. I can't find any evidence of her making these claims. But yet at BYU, there's investigations going on. Uh, students are reporting racial slurs. And so I think it's really important to dig back those layers. And the sad part is we shouldn't have to do that. But as Black people, we know if there's not a video, if there's not a recording, we're not going to be believed. And even if there is a video or a recording, if there is anything in our past, right, it's going to link to why it was deserved, etc. And so... You know, I'm fired up about this. I, I feel like I'm about to lose my voice. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get ready to to end and, and land this plane. Um, but I just also want to commend Dawn Staley. She is the Gamecocks volleyball coach. Um, and she canceled their series with BYU. And she issued a statement saying she stands by her decision to cancel the series. Uh, even after everything came out, she said, after my personal research, I made a decision for the well-being of my team. I regret that my university, my athletics director, Ray Tanner, and others got drawn into the criticism of a choice that I made. Thank you so much, Dawn Staley, for your courageous choice. Thank you. We need more people who are willing to stand up. And she is a Black woman. So again, it's this thing of understanding, of wishing that people would have stood up for you. I know for me in that meeting, and I'll try to find the notes and do another podcast, that I wish just one of those people who private messaged me would have said out loud, this isn't okay, would have typed the message in the chat instead of individually to me. 
And so thank you, Dawn Staley. She's probably under fire for this, getting in trouble. She's being criticized, she said, for making a courageous choice to stand by a young Black woman who have said she's being called a racial slur at a university that has reported from the inside of the university they are having problems with isolation, loneliness, and racial slurs by their Black students. And so I just want you to know, right, the more we can stand beside Black women and people who are reporting things, the better it will be, right? I share those stats about not only just right discrimination, but harassment um, in women. And the reason most people won't come out is because of retaliation. And so one of the number one complaints at the EOC is actually retaliation. That's one of the top complaints. It's because when people report discrimination, they're often retaliated against. And that really needs to stop. We need to start listening to people, right? Um, something that I read, and this is what Rachel Richardson's godmom says, was daily across America, the burden of proof. And instances like these involving people of color, as well as marginalized people, economically disadvantaged people, and disempowered people is shifted unfairly and without he hesitation. And I agree with that. And so I really want to encourage you, right, if you're not in one of those groups, those historically underrepresented, underestimated groups, stop calling discrimination an isolated incident, right? I told you of the recent situation where I shared something and it was like, that doesn't happen here or that was isolated. No, it did happen and it's not isolated. Stop calling discrimination an isolated event. Try to let people know, I hear you, I see you, right? I hear you, I see you. Have the courage to really hear and see people. I believe that everyone going through an incident, right, should have uh, a fair and, and just, <laughs> right, situation. BYU doing their own internal investigation, when they have 1% uh, or less Black students and have this 46-page report to the president internally, yeah, NCAA, do better. NCAA, where's your investigation, right? And Rachel, I, I can't wait to see what you do in life because the fact that you were this courageous Right. As a college sophomore, you are going to help change the world. And I hope that those around Rachel will stand up for her publicly and not privately. It's not enough to tell her you support her privately. And in the future, right, I hope that if this happens, coaches are willing to stop the game. You shouldn't have to tell her, go back out there, keep playing, we'll deal with it later. It should be dealt with right then. Because then, if not, what happens is this, that nothing actually happened. She's now being made out to be and being called a liar. And even when I was watching an ESPN segment, they said it was very strange because BYU in their statement never called her a liar and said she lied. 
Right. So we have to be really careful how we treat people when they report discrimination, because unfortunately, that is why the majority of people will privately report discrimination and harassment, but will not share it, will not make a report. Um, And so we really need to realize those numbers are staggering. The number of people who won't report, right? harassment, discrimination. And so this is not anything new and this is not isolated. All right. Well, y'all, I am going to, you know, get get ready uh, to, to go to bed. It, it is late, but uh, this was episode 41, Courageous Choices, Stop Calling Discrimination, an Isolated Incident, uh, really based off Rachel Richardson, Duke basketball player, and of course shared some of my personal experiences. So I really hope that those listening make the courageous choice to stop calling discrimination an isolated incident. Would would love to, to hear your thoughts. Of course, I am always welcome uh, for people to share. If there is any racism, discrimination, or hate on my page, I do block people. Uh, so please do know that um, because I like for my page and any comments to be a psychologically safe space. So we do not di- have to agree, but I will only call for respect on my page. So Thank you all. Uh, I will see you again soon for our last summer series episode. And then we are getting back with our guest. Really, really excited about that. Episode 43, Why Change Fails, will be with Veronica LaFamina on September 14th at 11 a.m. Eastern live. Um, So hope to see you there. And until then, let's keep being courageous change makers, change agents. Let's push the pace of progress. You, yes, you, whoever you are, whatever age, whatever position you're in, you can help to stop discrimination. And I hope that you will make that courageous choice. When you see something, say something. And when someone comes to you, have the courage to truly listen. And again, let's not support people privately. Let's support them publicly. Thanks so much. This was Antonetta Mosley. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with I Follow the Leader. We appreciate you. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episode alert. To learn more about the firm, go to ifollowtheleader.com. I also want to encourage you, Whether you're a change agent or leader, you can be a part of the solution. Now let's go make a positive impact and push the pace of progress. The world needs us.